0: Welcome to Sea of Fire Ministries podcast with Pastor James Myers. And now, here is Pastor James Myers. Finishing up uh, chapter 16, we're going to go into uh, chapter 17 till the 15th uh, verse. What we're going to do, there are kind of four different chunks here. So we're going to look at really this in chunks. That's kind of part of the difference here. We might just keep on changing it. Today's kind of the first experiment of sorts um, so we'll see that justice is demanded we'll get into that remember remember the end of our last account remember the end of our last account where uh, Paul was put in, Paul and Silas were put in prison and the jailer was saved and you know all of that you know and so it ended with uh, he and all of his household were, uh, were baptized he was rejoicing um, because he and his household were saved right? that was basically verse 34. And so we go back to Paul and Silas in prison kind of a thing, um, awaiting, you know, their, their, uh, determination, their, their sentencing really. Uh, and we'll get into that. Then they go to Thessalonica, 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 I don't know why that's anyway, uh, a gentleman, uh, Jason, who's probably the house, his house is probably where they were staying at the time. He's got to pay some bond money. We'll get into that. And then we will see the Bereans who I've kind of talked about. And I love this account. Uh, Unfortunately, I mean, Paul is still kicked out of there, but we'll get to that. So basically, these are the four different things that we're going to be looking at. Okay. All right. Everybody ready? Again, starting at verse 35, chapter 16. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the officers, saying, let those men go. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to you, uh, sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans and have thrown us into prison. And now do they put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. And the officers told these words to the magistrates and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. Then they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. Uh, And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. Going into uh, chapter 17. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. Uh, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I preach to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women, joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews, who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob, Set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren uh, out. Uh, some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, "These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Jason, Jason has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus." And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair and minded than those in Thessalonica. In that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowds. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea, but both Silas and Timothy remained there. So those who con- uh, conducted Paul brought him to Athens and were receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed. They departed. He was ears to hear the word of God, let him hear it. All right. So you're going to read the first chunk uh, so 35 through 40 of uh chapter 16 is and when it was day the magistrates sent the officers saying uh let those men go so the keeper of the prison reported these words to paul saying the magistrates have sent to let you go now therefore depart and go in peace but paul said to them they have beaten us openly uncondemned romans and have thrown us into prison and now they put us uh, out secretly no indeed let them come out themselves and get us out and the officers told these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. When they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city, so they went uh, oh, So they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged and departed. Okay, real quickly, let's go back. Remember, let's remember the, uh, the first account. Those magistrates, remember, had had, had them beaten. This word officers uh, sent the officers the, that, that it's translated literally rod bearers. So these are the guys who actually beat them. You know, so the magistrates are sending the guys who actually beat them to, to, let, the, to let them go. So what was likely g- going to be the case? Because remember, they kept them in the inner prison. Remember, it was dark and gloomy and terrible and they kept them securely, right? What was likely going to happen is that they were probably going to sentence them to death probably the next day. They're probably just going to kill him the next day. But remember, the earth shook, you know, and all the prison doors were open and all the chains were loose and not one prisoner fled because of Paul and Silas. The whole, you know, the magistrates know that by by the next day kind of a thing. And so now I'm sure they're probably okay. Well, you know, fine. We'll just let them go. We won't kill them. This is a great favor because I mean, all the prisoners, they could have lost all the prisoners, which would have been terrible politically for them as well, but really terrible for the whole town, for the whole city. So they decide okay, just let them go. So they sent to let them go, and the keeper of the prison, remember that was the, the man who was saved now. So this man is like, oh, cool, cool. They, they listened to reason. He might have actually, he was probably the one who told them this story and told them all of that. You know and so now he's saying you know uh, that they're they're, they're sentencing now is to let you go but really they're saying to go out of this city though you know uh, we're tired of your trouble that you're causing that's what these magistrates see the that preaching is it's just causing trouble it's an insurrection which we'll get to uh shortly in, in the next account uh well basically the third one that we're looking at for uh, today. So, Paul said to them, they've beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans. Remember, this is the first time they hear that they're Romans, and I've told you, that's going to cause fear in people. This happens again later in Acts, uh, which doesn't lead to fear because it's not the same circumstance. Let's just put it that way. But remember that there was no trial, and again, we know this, that there was no trial because they didn't even have a chance to tell them they were Romans. At this time, because we're going to see this later, at this time, Claudius Caesar has expelled the Jews from Rome. Okay, so the hostility to even Jews, because of what's of what they called an insurrection, a bunch of riots, uh, which was spawned by Crestus, which is probably the, the, the persecution from the Jews to the Christians, to the believers. Remember, we've, we've been talking about that. So that was one reason. A bunch of riots were starting, and so they just expelled them from Rome. And so they're even more hate. Let's just put it that way. So then they find out that they were Romans. And, have thrown, and it's probably just Paul who's a Roman. Uh, the, the other gentleman with him, though, Luke, is a Roman. Um, Timothy was Greek. So he was possibly, well, he was in Lystra, so no. But um, so he, what Paul is doing here. You know, he says uh, they've throw, thrown him into prison, and now they put us out secretly. No, indeed, it sounds like he's like, well, dude, we just suffered a bunch of uh, injustice. That's not cool. You know, what y'all did wasn't cool. So, no, you know, and I, I want, uh, you know, I want you to make it up to me and come apologize to me. And, well... The reason he's doing this, because they're still departing the city. They're still going to have to leave the city, and he knows that. The reason he's doing that is so that that persecution and that view of an, of an insurrection is settled. If these magistrates go and openly apologize to these men, basically, and was what they did, uh, brought them out, uh, they came and pleaded with them, we'll get to that. But that's really about apologizing publicly, okay, but that's what they're doing, so that when they do leave this supposed insurrection, that persecution will not continue with the believers who are now in Philippi, okay, that's why he's doing it, think of like the civil rights movement, right, very, very worthy movement, you know, very, very worthy movement, you know, Uh, there was a large degree of injustice there. And great leaders uh, rose up. I mean, MLK is, is a perfect example of that. But the difference here is what, what he was doing was preaching it really for a collective justice. What Paul is doing is the injustice is already suffered with him. He doesn't mind injustice. We have seen over and over and over, he goes into the synagogue, he gets kicked out, he gets stoned, he gets beaten, he gets, and he just keeps on going into these synagogues. You know, I mean, one would think, you know, maybe he gets to the point where he's like, you know, let, I think we should change tactics here. There must be an easier way you know, to get the word out there kind of a thing. But so... But he doesn't. He continues to do what God has commanded him to do: to first go to the uh, to the Jew and then to the Gentile. He continues to go to the synagogue first when there is a synagogue. Remember, when they when they got to uh, Philippi, there aren't enough men. There aren't enough Jews, Jewish men anyway, to start a synagogue. That's why they're by the river. Remember that anyway. So there aren't many Jews here at all. Okay. So he's leaving. He's wanting this. To be quelled immediately, publicly, not because he wants to be like, I suffered this, so that nobody, what he's wanting is so that nobody else will. None of those other believers, and so that they can be secure and practice their faith even when they leave. Does that make sense? Okay. And then, so these people were greatly afraid these magistrates would be looking at the death penalty for doing this. Okay and there's a lot there but historically there's a lot there that we might or might not talk to talk about sometime but they they're deathly afraid now and rightfully so and so they did not come to deme- remember he's saying they're saying let these men go they still want him to them to depart through the city but now they want them to depart the city really for their own safety too you know Paul's wanting them to do it because of the safety of the other Christians they are wanting them to leave for their own safety, but th- so at first they had beaten them, then they were probably going to kill them. And then they're like, okay, we'll be, we'll be lenient and let them go. Now they're not telling them to, to depart. Now they're not telling them to get out of the city. They are begging them. They are begging them because again, that this not only the 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 fact that they were romans but they will not they cannot have that testimony remain you know even with the church building and building first of all they need to try to you know kind of keep that at bay as much as they can but they can't have faithful ministers especially for that either that so make sense so it's just important to recognize that he's giving a defense for this injustice, but not because he suffered injustice. Paul suffers injustice over and over and over again for the cause of Christ, and he's more than glad to do so. He even mentions that. You know, I praise God that he's called me worthy to suffer. He, he knows. He knows. He even says that he, he's not worthy of the exaltation of, of Christ unless he suffers the same humiliation of Christ. That's why I tell you, persecution not only is good for our faith, it's necessary. If, it, if We are to be like Christ. We, we are his body, and so we will suffer the same, but we, will, we cannot accept his exaltation and share in his exaltation unless we share in his humiliation. It's essential, and that's what Paul knows. So he's not defending himself. He's defending the other believers that are there who have not suffered the same pers- uh, persecution. He just wants to make sure it doesn't happen to the best of his ability anyway. Okay, Faithful, very faithful, very great preacher and shepherd of his flock. And we, we see that throughout Acts. Remember, he went, he went back to visit those other cities where he was almost stoned to death. He's more than happy to, uh, to suffer for the cause of Christ. But he's not more than happy to watch other brothers and sisters suffer likewise. Okay? All right. Um, okay. Okay. So, chapter 17, 1 through 4. Uh, now, when they had passed through Amphipolis em- Emph- and uh, Apollonia, they came to Thessalon- Thessalonica. Why can't I say Thessalonica? that? Thessalonica. Thessalonica. Like Thessalonians, that's so much easier. Anyway, uh, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths, reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and a great multitude of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. So remember, he was in Philippi. They they go through Amphipolo- Amphipo- Amphipolis. My goodness, um, but they, it doesn't say it doesn't have any account about his preaching there. So they likely were just passing through. These are smaller cities. Thessalon- Thessalonica is a huge metropolitan area there, and, and, and uh, we will talk about that in a moment. But, so then they go through Apollonia before they uh, reach uh, Thessalonica. Thessalonica, Thessalonica was so named. Because one of Philip's, remember, Alexander the Great's uh, father was King Philip of, of uh, Macedon. That's, remember, this is Macedonia, but he was the king of Macedon. In his day. it was Macedon. So he started, you know, he conquered this land and named it after his daughter. Okay, so Alexander the Great's sister. Uh, and, but, but we don't know about Thessalonica because of him or, or because of Philip or Alexander the Great or even his sister. We know Thessalonica because Paul preached there. We have two letters, two great letters to the Thessalonians, the really nicer letter is actually Philippians. Philippians is a great encouraging letter. You, you, we, you'll see that the people in Philippi are actually sending money and, and goods for the ministry of Paul. And he's very grateful for that while he's in Thessalonica. So his letter to the Philippians is one of the, I mean, it's a sweet, really sweet. His letter to the Ephesians is also really sweet. The Galatians, he was re- kind of upset. Uh, and, and the Corinthians, we saw that somewhat. His second one is a little more tame because they had r- responded well to his first one. Um, more, you know, faithfully kind of a thing. But Thessalonica is kind of one of those middle grounds. He has some problems, but not as huge as, like, the Galatians and, and so forth. But anyway, so that's why it's named, and that's why it's so important, because he preached there. Now, when there where there was a synagogue, and then Paul, as his custom was, that's what we were talking about. And this is what he does. Everywhere he goes, where there's a synagogue, he goes to the synagogue. In Philippi, there wasn't a synagogue, so he went to the river. That's what he does. He goes... For the Jew first—that's what he says, even in Romans. For the gospel is for the Jew first, and then for the Gentile. Also, God's wrath is first for the Jew, and then for the Gentile, because that is God's—you um, know—redemptive work in history. It—it it, it was first given to the Jew. Again, our faith is founded on Jewish Judaism. Christianity has a roots in Judaism, so that's why he goes into the synagogues first. And for three Sabbaths, so basically for three weeks, he might have been longer. So we have to understand what comes next might be a building thing. You know, I mean, again, we, we talk about time frames. And so Luke is making it a point that this was for at least three weeks. The Sabbath is on, on Saturday. And so for three Saturdays, um, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. That's what Paul does. He doesn't talk about tradition. He doesn't talk about the Mass. He doesn't talk about any of that. He doesn't talk about baptism until salvation. He doesn't talk about any of that nonsense. He doesn't talk about history. He doesn't talk about the theology. He talks about He goes straight from the scripture. That's what I'm saying. This is what we do. This is what was this is what the church is meant to do. She's fallen far from it. And she has for quite a long time. Paul was a Great expository preacher, the greatest preacher aside from Christ. But he's expositing from the Bible, uh, saying from from the scriptures, explaining, explaining and demonstrating. So he's saying he's explaining one thing, and then he's demonstrating from the scripture uh, that the Christ had to suffer and rise. You know what? There's another portion I want to just off the top of my head: Isaiah 53. Uh, verses 4 through 8. Um, let me find it real quick. But we briefly looked at this. But this is probably one of them. Just so you know, because we'll, say, we'll, we'll make this a point during our uh, scripture uh, learning that of its authority. There are over a, thousand, over a thousand Old Testament prophecies, specific and historical and absolute, that applied to Christ. That Christ fulfilled. Over a thousand. You can play the lottery all you want. you don't get chances like that that would be like somebody winning the lottery 10 times in a row what what would happen if a guy won the lottery 10 times in a row he'd be arrested probably because there's some sort of fraud involved it's just very important so he's he's got many things to point back toward but we're going to look at one that was most likely uh one and again we've read through this one All all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. So that's one of them. That's one of them clearly only applying to Christ. Only, and they're all, I mean, there are so many different ones, but, you know, that's that's one of them. And so he is, so he's explaining, hey, you know, the Jews, again, just like many Christians, just assume that they are God's people because of all these traditions, because the temple is in Jerusalem, the, the temple of the Lord, temple of the Lord, temple of the Lord, all this stuff, which is another thing that comes from uh, Josiah. Anyway, uh, so the temple of the Lord, everything, is, 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 is religious. Religion is really what man does. That's why theology is about who God is. Okay, Those are two completely different perspectives. When you are religious, you are just going through rituals. All your focus is on these rituals, on these traditions, on these things that a certain organization is telling you that you're supposed to do. What Paul is saying, he's explaining first that you have always persecuted the prophets. It didn't start with Christ. Throughout the Old Testament, they hated the prophets. They killed most of the prophets. Really, their message didn't really grow until after they were killed. Uh, uh, Isaiah was was cut in two. All the prophets suffered. Moses was always complained against. But, you know, he at least wasn't martyred. You know, he wasn't killed. But all of the prophets, all of them, all of them suffered. All of them suffered either anger and hostility, just like the apostles are. Just like we will. So, but, so he's explaining that, first of all, your whole concept of Judaism is wrong, you know, and then demonstrating. So he took, it, took from that, uh, demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer, so that was that part was the suffering. We we'll can talk about later about the resurrection, but uh, and to rise again from the dead. So he is ex- again explaining one that you see scripture and you see your religion is this one way, <laughs> but it's not. And then he's demonstrating that Christ had to suffer. Here's where again, with without the crucifixion, there is no sermon, there is no message. And then he goes to the resurrection. We don't worship a dead guy. We don't worship some dude who's lying in a tomb. If Christ did, was not risen, our faith is futile, and I'm I'm done. I, I'm done with all this. I, you know, I'm telling you that that, that that I I don't I don't have this whimsical desire. I don't have this wish projection that I just hope this is how how it's going to work out. If Christ did not raise, we are dead in our sins. It's as simple as that. So, we first preach his necessary sacrifice. The perfect Lamb of God, perfect Son of God, came into the world to suffer and give his life for the salvation of many, of all of his people, of a wide harvest. Remember, that's why he poured out all of his blood. Perfectly and sufficient, really, to save the entire world. Christ's blood, just one drop of blood would have done it, by the way. Just one little drop, he poured it all out. And even just one drop of blood, though, would have had the power to save everybody in this world. So really, anybody who so desires to believe in Christ has the value in his blood. Apart from that, there's no salvation. But it's just important that the power of his redemption literally applies to the whole world. But it only is given to some. But even again, even the the earth will pass away and be renewed. His salvation covers all of creation. The earth moans. The Bible talks about the earth moaning and groaning until the day of the Lord. The the, the creatures, the, the creatures they talk about, you know why why are you know why is the leopard so scared of humans why why are, why are animals so instinctively scared of humans why do they always take off unless they're you know hunting you and they want to kill you <laughs> but uh, more often than not they take off what is this what is this thing that that there's this there's this distrust there there's this natural distrust where that wasn't the way in the garden you see all the animals coming to adam he names them all he's got this great fellowship with the animals it's a wonderful, beautiful thing, which, was in, which is the intention, which is why when God created creation, it was good. <laughs> you know? And again, remember what uh, Augustine said, it could not be corrupted unless it was originally good. Now it's been corrupted through our sin. And Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead so that we and his good creation can be restored because he has restored it. You wait for that in culmination for his second coming, but he has done it. It is done. That victory is done. Remember, that's why that's why he was ascended. That's his glorification. That's his that's his exaltation. That's his that's his kingship party. He's done the work. He's poured out his blood. He rose from the dead. He ascended on high to God's right hand, God the Father's right hand. Okay? So all of all of all of creation is restored. But again, one little drop of blood was enough to save everybody. Um, Yeah, okay. And a great multitude of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. Now, this is interesting. He's in the synagogue. Doesn't say a thing about Jews. He says the devout Greeks, which are proselyte Jews. but But remember, Jews are actually the ones who underwent the circumcision, all that kind of thing. So these devout Greeks, but... So it's not saying anything about the Jews. This is going to be important with, I'm going to give you a parable from Christ at the kind of towards the end. We're going to conclude with that. And it's about two sons. And so I just want us to pay attention here in this account because we're going to see even more in the next account that there's a difference. Okay. Okay, verses five through nine. But the Jews who were not persuaded becoming envious "...took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Jason has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying, There is another king, Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let him go. Okay, so the Jews who were not persuaded. Again, now we're even seeing a bigger distinction between the the, the devout Greeks and the Jews. The Jews were not persuaded, and they became envious. This is the reason Christ was killed. This is the reason Paul is stoned. This is the reason everybody gets persecuted. This is the reason the church gets persecuted. Envy. That's one of the reasons, but remember, those, that's one of the seven deadly sins. Envy is always an ugly thing, especially when you start with envy, it only turns into harm. It only, that, that's an inevitable outcome. So they became envious and took some of the evil men from the marketplace. This suggests the Jews didn't go round up a bunch of other Jews. They rounded up a bunch of people they knew were vagabonds, that knew they could easily persuade them to keep, hurt anybody. For any reason, that's who they went for. These supposed pious and righteous men, these pious and righteous Jews, go and find evil men from the marketplace. They, remember, that's where uh, even in Philippi, that's where they were dragged off to to be before the magistrates. So don't think of like a, you know like an HEB kind of marketplace. You know, it's, it's basically the the econo- economic center where the magistrates would be too. So. That's where, you know, a lot of judgment happened too. Um, And gathering a mob set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason. So, we preach the gospel for the spread of God's harvest, right? We do not gather a mob. We build a body. He builds a body, but through our ministry, through our um, witnessing to him, we build. We build a people these people gather a mob, it's really easy to find a bunch of unbelievers who, who want nothing to do with Christ to, to attack the righteous. It, the, the evil is, it finds it very easy to attack the righteous. I mean, look at our, look at our own society. Look at how much we're falling away from even just accepting the idea that possibly God exists. And the hostility that the world that the world especially in America has for the church you know it 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 it's obvious it's very clear and they hate everything and they and they and they even kind of gather mobs of so, so-called exer, experts you know like like we talked about in psychology as long as you know this one ruling center who only is trying to push their nihilistic philosophies through again sexual deviancy and all sorts of different things these are experts, so they say, don't go to your church. You don't need to, you know, they've got that, um, what is it, um, some conversion. What is it? Like, uh, like when a, a homosexual converts to, to Christianity and then decides they're not going to be homosexuals anymore because, you know, the church has ministered to them and convinced them that that's a sin, you know? And I don't remember what they call it, um, conversion therapy or something like that. Um, and so they, they hate that. They deride it because that goes against their worldly little psychology thing. I'm just saying this is indicative. This is a physical thing. Again, what we need to do is see what happens there and what happens here, okay? These men are gathering a mob in every other area and this will happen, you know, in different ways in our own time, okay? Um. Okay, uh, so... Uh, set all the city and attack the house of Jason. That's where all the brethren are. That's where Paul and Silas were probably staying. They're apparently not there then um, but and sought to bring out, them out to the people. But they when they did not find them, there they are. I mean, they just aren't there. It doesn't say where they were. They dragged Jason and some other brethren that were there uh, to the rulers of the city, to so the magistrates, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. That's what we do. That's who we are. That is our calling. That is what God's doing through us. Turning the world upside down. We have a glorious and magnificent gospel. We, our true God is the only true God. And if you, if you actually see and look at other religions, it's so clear. It's just so perfectly clear. We are the only ones who have the power, because we are the only ones with the power of God, to turn the world upside down. You can say this about Muhammad because of all his military ex- expeditions. He killed and beheaded all sorts of people. But you can say the same thing about Genghis Khan. You, know, you can say that about all sorts of different people. We do it with our own blood. We do it through, with the blood of Christ. But we are here to turn the world upside down. Okay? That's important. And that's their complaint. And that is going to be the world's complaint. Okay. Um, so they've come here too. Jason has harbored them. So he's taking them in, uh, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar. Remember, I told you, uh, uh, um, Claudius Caesar had expelled the Jews from Rome at this point. Um, and so, especially now, it's contrary to the decrees of Caesar, and especially this part. And this is another reason they were, they were uh, commanding Pilate to crucify Christ, because he was claiming to be a king, you know, or the king you know, of Israel kind of a thing, which Christ never claimed, but everybody knew, you know, that the Messiah is David's son, and therefore the eternal king over Israel, okay, so they all know that, and that's what is basically suggested through him basically uh, admitting that he is the Christ, when he would do that seldomly, very seldomly, and kind of in a more suggestive way. He never really said, I am the Messiah, other than the Samaritan woman. Remember when, the, we didn't really talk about that part, but when he had that encounter with the Samaritan woman, she's asking, you know, you know, um, right, uh, um, what was she asking? Oh, yeah, well, Christ said, um, uh, you know, go call your husband, and she said, I don't have a husband. It's true in what you say. You've, you, you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. One you're living with, it, you know, is not your husband. She says, Uh, you know, how do you know this about me? And then they go on and she says, you know, I know that the Messiah is coming and he will teach teach us all this stuff, you know, all the actual truth of it. And he says, woman, I, who am speaking to you, am he. That was probably one of his clearest messages to uh, another person about just completely claiming himself to be the Messiah. He was very hesitant. Again, there's what's called the uh, messianic secret. He kind of, he doesn't make it, he doesn't proclaim it on the rooftops kind of a thing. Anyway, so there's another king, Jesus. Again, Jesus is the king of the world. He is the king of kings. But they're saying, you know, that, that they're claiming that there's this other king. But this is another reason that uh, Christ was crucified. Then they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. Again, they they are connected. They are Um, committed to the decrees of Caesar they they hate anything to do with Christ and so any other supposed king any other supposed authority just like in our world when we, when we claim Christ to be the king over homosexuality, when we call, call, call Christ the king of kings, and therefore over all the issues of your life, all of your philosophy, all of, all of your worldview, over all of that, and they hate that because they are the supposed kings and ex- excerpts, experts uh, over everything. Um, anyway, so um, yeah, so they troubled, again, this is very easy to do, Everybody else who agrees with the world as being the authority will be happy to trouble the crowd, will be the crowd, will be the crowd which exists in rulers. Again, look at the, our leaders and, and, and our governing bodies and all of that, and you see this. And, and look at all of the different studies and everything. And shoot, even our, our academic institutions are, large, are so determined to teach anything other than Christ, to teach any other mode of existence than Christ, which ultimately is nihilistic. Anyway, so when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let him go. So this is basically bond money. So they didn't imprison him, but basically they they got to a point where, okay, look, you, you pay us off and we'll let you go. And they paid it. Okay, Again, not because they're capitulating, but because any time you can, you can save yourself from harm or another person, and this is what Jason did, you know, he's given security from Jason, but for the rest too, that's really what that means. Uh, but that's what you do, that's what you do. So Jason's providing for him himself and these other brothers. You don't run into the fire, you don't run into the crowd to get killed, that's not martyrdom, that's not persecution, that's suicide. Okay, they were not that way. Okay, Uh, yeah, I already told you about that. Okay, last uh, section, 10 through 15. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. (laughs) These uh, these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. In, what, in that they received uh, the word with all readiness and searched the scripture daily uh, to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as the men. So, many of them believed means Jews. Uh, but when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowds. Uh, then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go, uh, to go to the sea, but both Silas and Timothy remained there. Um, so those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens and receiving command for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed, they departed. Okay, so they immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night because they grabbed Jason and dragged him out so that they know the next day this is going to be far worse. They, they were looking for Paul and Silas, and so they, they got around that. They paid the bond money for that day, <laughs> you know, and so they're immediately sending them them away for their safety. Um, and when they arrived, so Luke is obviously still in Thessalonica, Thessalonica, <laughs> but so remember, cause it was when we, 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 we now goes back to when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews because that's where they got. These were far, these were more fair minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness, right? Now, not, not, not credulously, they're they're not they're not hearing Paul and Silas and be like, ooh, that sounds cool. Yeah, I believe it because that sounds neat. No. They they received it with all readiness. They're they're open to hearing about, shoot, especially the Messiah coming, really, the Messiah came. Uh, but then they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. That's why I will continue to talk to y'all about the Bereans. I want us to all be Bereans. When you hear the preaching of the gospel, whenever you hear anybody teaching about God's word and through his word, you go to your scriptures to make sure they're so. That's what you do. A faithful preaching is... Preaching the Bible. Faithful hearing is through the Bible. Oh, I think I think we lost it. That's fine. Good. That's good to know. Okay. Yeah, I think it's the battery. Anyway. Um so so yeah, so search out the scripture to make sure this is so. That's what we do. That's what that's what I implore you to do every every single week. Every single week. And especially if you find something <laughs> that I might have gotten wrong, yeah, definitely let me know that. Um, and likewise, you know, if, if you're, you know, whatever, we all keep ourselves accountable for that. But this is the true, wonderful, beautiful fellowship between the preacher and the congregation. The preacher tries to faithfully exposit the Bible, and the 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 um, congregation ought to faithfully search out to make sure those things are so. But it's beautiful. This is that's a fellowship. That's why this whole thing is a perfect fellowship. We're all fed by the same bread. All right. Um, so therefore, many of them believed. That means the Jews, um, and also not a few of the Greeks. So going back to Thessalonica, the same thing. Not a few of the Greeks. There's a bunch of the uh, Greeks as well. So the proselytes. Uh, prominent women as well as men. Again, these are prominent women and men, so these people will be able to con- uh, give to the ministry, all this kind of thing, probably have houses for the brethren, so these are the churches. Then they didn't they didn't have these buildings. People met in houses. The houses were the churches, just like here. Anyway, um, but when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, so again, they they sent them, them out away by night, and now the Jews are like, ah, that's where they are. Then we're going to go over there, and they came there also and stirred up the crowds. And immediately, so they're not waiting. They know what's coming. Immediately, they sent Paul away to go to the seat, and we'll see that that's why that's how you get to Athens. But but both both Paul and Silas, both, both Silas and Timothy, remain there. So they're basically they're only going after Paul because he's the one who's speaking. Apparently, even in Thessalonica, they were really just looking out for Paul. And that's why they send them away, and and Silas and Timothy remain behind. Paul would not have allowed Silas and Timothy to remain behind if he knew they were going to get persecuted, if they knew they were going to get flogged. Paul would never have left them there. So they they all know that they're looking for him. uh, Because, uh, yeah, so they they learned uh, that the Word of God was preached by Paul, at Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowds. It doesn't say anything about Silas or Timothy. So, that's why, that's why they're kind. Um, so, those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens. I'm so excited. Next week, I don't even know how many messages we're going to have. We've talked about you know Paul at Mars Hill, um, Paul going to Athens, which was the phil- Greek philosophical epicenter, so to speak, of the time. Athens was very important, uh, especially with um, Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle, but that's where Paul goes to preach. There's no synagogue there. Um, well, no, there was, but, but he ends up going to the Areopagus and preaching on Mars Hill. It's a big deal. I mean, uh, I'm going to try not to have like a month of that account, but that's where we're leading. That's where we're going finally. Um, but, and then when, when he gets there, uh, he commanded that for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed, and we'll see kind of why. Uh, he's disturbed there. He's, his spirit is moved in him and that's really kind of what causes him to go out and, and preach. Okay. So what I want to do, so we see the difference between the Jews. some of them believe, right? And these are proselytes too. So these are all these are all people from the synagogue, okay? Paul goes in to the synagogue and basically gets two different reactions from Jews. proselytes are all Jews. Gets two different reactions. One, complete hostility. The other, belief. In Matthew uh, chapter 21, verses 28 through 32, Christ gives a parable. But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he regretted it and went. Then he came to the second and said, likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? And they said to him the first. Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. So we have two sons. The father comes to the first one and says, Go and work in my vineyard. He says, No, no, I'm not going to. And then afterward, he repents and he goes. Second one says, I will. Absolutely, Dad. Yes, sir. I'll be right there. And he never goes. Many, you know, look, y'all are going to have a different conversion experience. I, you know, it, it might be just a gradual one. But many people will be in the fellowship of believers and not actually have come to God. That's It's just, that's the first one saying, I will not. I will not go to work in your vineyard. And later they repent and then they go because ultimately they're still faithful to their father. They realize it, they come to themselves eventually, just like we saw last week, remember? They come to themselves, repent of themselves and go and seek to do the will of their father. So that's the first one. Second one says, I'll go. Yes, God, I am your servant. Yes, you're, you're the God of my life. And so, yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm sold out for you. Thank you for your temple. Thank you for this plot of land. Thank you for Abraham. Thank you for all of that. Yes, oh yeah, I go to your vineyard. And then he does not Those are the ones who are stirring up the crowds and attacking Christ through his church. Two sons. One said, I will not go. Then he goes. That's all of us. All of us begin our lives with no. We are born sinners, utterly apart from God. I hate Him. Suppress Him all, with all of our ability, with all of our strength, until we come to ourselves by His great grace and come to ourselves, repent, and seek to do the will of our Father. Others are hypocrites. Others are hypocrites. They think, they think, you know, there's a... Everybody has a God. Everybody worships an idol. Usually, it's, it's a terrible worldview. It's a broken worldview. What we looked at in the psychology of atheism is looking at nihilism, basically accepting the meaninglessness of life, and that life is just vain. That's their God. That's their God. Uh, uh, Freud was an apostle to nihilism. He was dead set and determined toward that cause. Everybody has a God. Everybody has a God. So they say, I will go. And they don't. They don't. Some, by the way, this includes the tares in the church. The church is full of wheat and tares. So even in the church, the institution of the church it is filled with people who say, I will go, and they never go. They never actually come to themselves and repent. So this happens all over the place outside the church. also plays the part inside the church. The church as a body, she is filled, completely filled with those who said no, and then come to themselves, repent, and serve their father. All right all right any questions we're gonna read Habakkuk uh, ch- ch- uh, chapter three uh, I don't remember what verses we start verse two but it's chapter three remember Habakkuk's the one I've mentioned um, that uh, <coughs> changed um that uh, has this back and forth with uh, with God um he's you know um, bemoaning he's Uh, seeking after god uh for him for his help and they have the the, this huge dialogue this is basically the conclusion it's obviously not a very big book it's a wonderful book all right let me go ahead and change it over make sure i'm connected says i am all right O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years make make it known. In wrath remember mercy. God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. He had had rays flashing from his hand, and there his power was hidden. Before, Before him went pestilence, and never followed at his feet. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and startled uh, start, startled the nations. And the everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills bowed. His ways are everlasting. I saw the tents of Kush- Kushan in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian trembled. O oh Lord, were you displeased with the rivers? Was your anger against the rivers? Was your wrath against the sea? That you rode on your horses, your chariots of salvation? Your bow was made read- quite ready. Others were, sw- were sworn over your arrows. Selah. You divided the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and trembled. The overflowing of the water passed by. The deep uttered its voice and lifted its hand on high, hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their habitation. At the light of your arrows they went. At the shining of your glittering spear, you marched through the land in indignation. You trampled the nations in anger. You went forth for the salvation of your people, for salvation with your anointed. You struck the head from the house of the wicked by laying bare from foundation to neck. Selah. You thrust through, its, you thrust through uh, with his own arrows the head of his villages. They came out like a whirlwind to scatter me. Their rejoicing was like feasting of the, on the poor in secret. You walked through the sea with your horses, through the heap of great waters. When I heard, my body trembled. My lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered my bones, and I trembled in myself, that I might rest in the day of trouble. And when he comes up to the people, he would invade them with his troops. Though the fig tree may not blossom nor fruit beyond the vine through the labor of the olive may though the, the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls yet I will rejoice in the Lord I will joy in the God of my salvation the Lord God is my strength he will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on my high hills the name of Christ is a double-edged sword, cutting both for and against. The union of Jesus he's, he calls his own toward is a name which serves as an offense. To his own it is precious, and fills their hearts most replete. For others it's feckless, one to mock and conceit. For evil hates light, and darkness hates truth. The, the righteous are bright, radiant, and I sooth. Rid us of tares, make, us th- make thy bride pure. Lead us in prayers, where alone we're secure. When we seek Thee in Thy gracious Word, when we find Thee in Thy grace unbound, and rejoice in Thy voice we have heard, and may Thy course forever abound. Pray. <clears throat> Father, thank You for Your abundant faithfulness. Thank You for Your great witness. Thank You that You are faithful even in the midst of trials. That the persecution that comes with knowing and preaching your Son is a trial and a furnace which makes us only brighter and only more willing and loving to do your great will. That is what pleases you, my God, so rise up in us that witness, rise up in us that boldness, rise up in us that same faithfulness you have so providentially given. So willingly given and poured out on a cross. We thank you. Now and forever, world without end. In the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to Sea Fire Ministries podcast with Pastor James Myers. We hope you enjoy this message. Please subscribe and follow us. Tune in as we continue into the Word of God.